Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. It is a joy uh, to come together each week. I look forward to Sunday every week, an opportunity to gather together with you all, to sing together, uh, to come to the Lord in prayer. And now it's really a privilege to come in front of you and open God's Word with you and to submit our desires, all of us, to the Word of God, to have our lives placed under the authority of of, of the Word of God and to seek to have all that we are to be shaped by God. So I want us to think together as we begin about a reality That'll be very familiar for some of you and something that I think all of us could benefit from considering. So I want us to think together about the challenges of living life as a refugee. Someone who has, for one reason or another, been driven from their home, forced to leave the country that they grew up in, a stranger who's in a foreign land. And there's some of you here today, you're in this exact situation. You know just what I'm speaking of. You've left your home, whether it's in Congo or Zimbabwe or Nigeria. You've left your family at some point. You've left your friends. You've left a familiar environment. You've come here to South Africa where you've had to learn new routines, adjust to unfamiliar languages, and navigate life in a new place. And living life as a refugee comes with a unique set of challenges. Living as a refugee means you might not have chosen to leave. You might have been forced. You might not have known where you were going or where you would live or anyone in this place. Not only are you adjusting to an unfamiliar environment, but you often face hostility from the people here or from the government. It might be more difficult for you to find a place to live or to work or to sort out paperwork and visas. And for others of you, like myself, who have never had to face this reality, who have never had to spend much time considering the challenges of being a refugee, We should think of what our brothers and sisters are going through. We should want to enter into these trials that they're going through to try to understand some of these unique challenges that they face so that we can know how to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ and care for them better. The Bible regularly speaks of a few specific categories of people that we as believers should have a particular care for. So it's the widow and the orphan and the sojourner or the refugee. And the reason God has a particular heart for these people is because these are people in vulnerable or difficult situations who are without the protection that God has designed. So the widow is without a husband to care for her and to lead her. The orphan is without a family, without both a father and a mother. And a refugee is often without their family and often without a government to protect them and watch over them in the way that God designed And the other reason we should consider what life is like as a refugee is that God's word describes all of us as refugees. Have you ever realized this? Pastor Andre mentioned it in his prayer, but the Bible describes us as believers as sojourners, as strangers in a foreign land. And we see this throughout the Bible from the Old Testament to the New. 
In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel and the people of God constantly lived their lives as strangers and sojourners. By following God's leading and sometimes even as consequences for their own sin. So Abraham and his family were sojourners in Egypt in Genesis chapter 12. You know the story of Joseph and his brothers who also ended up in Egypt. And eventually the entire nation of Israel was there in Egypt as sojourners. And also later in the Old Testament, we know that all of Israel was exiled. They were sojourners and refugees in Babylon. And then not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2 where the Apostle Peter is writing to New Testament believers who have been scattered because of persecution. And let's actually turn. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Peter together. Let's start in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at a few different passages. We're going to go back to 1 Peter several times. Let's turn to 1 Peter and look in chapter 1. So you can see there, the very beginning of the book of 1 Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So Peter is writing to these exiles who have been scattered, who are now isolated as believers in foreign lands. And now let's flip over uh, to chapter 2. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 11. So he's writing to these same believers. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So he's speaking to these believers as sojourners, as exiles, as refugees, and he's exhorting them to hold fast to the faith that they had received, not allowing the pagan influence of the world around them to affect their witness for Christ. And you can see that the goal in verse 12, that the world around them would see their good deeds and glorify God, worship God themselves when he returns. And this is true of us today as well. As believers in 2022, we should recognize that we are strangers and sojourners here on earth. So for each of you, do you feel this way? Do you feel the sense that you're not at home in this world? Do you feel unsettled that you don't fit in? Do you feel a longing in your heart for something more? And if you do, then you shouldn't feel strange. This should be expected for us as believers. Our goal is not to be comfortable with life this side of heaven. Our goal should not be to accumulate wealth and houses and status, to try to be as comfortable as possible. We're meant to live for so much more than this. There should always be an uneasiness in our hearts. We should recognize that this world is not our home. We are strangers. We're sojourners. We should not find our identity here. C.S. Lewis, talking about this, says, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. The reason we don't feel at home here 
The reason we feel this unease is because this world is not our ultimate destination. We will not truly feel at home until Christ returns and we're taken to be with the Lord and we are gathered together around the throne with believers from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, worshiping God and praising him together. So you might be confused at this point. You might think, how does this fit together? If we are sojourners and strangers in this world, if we're, uh, like the Bible describes as refugees, shouldn't others be showing hospitality to us? But even though this world is not our home, even though ultimately we don't belong here, we as Christians should be the most hospitable of people. And the basis for our hospitality is the love that we have shown by God. God's love for us is the ultimate example of hospitality, our motivation for our sacrificial love for others and where we find our identity. Even though we are not at home in this world, we should be the most welcoming of people and the most hospitable of people. And that's my goal for us today. I want each of us to consider how we can rearrange the priorities of our life in a way where we regularly show sacrificial hospitality to others. Showing hospitality takes sacrifice. To lay down our lives for others by opening our homes, by using our money, our resources, sharing our hearts to care for others. To show hospitality to others out of a love for God, a gratitude for what he has done for us, and obedience to his commands. Let's pray together, and then we'll continue considering this further. Heavenly Father, God, You are the creator of the universe. You are great and greatly to be praised. God, we want to come to you humbly, asking that you would teach us. We're thankful that you have spoken to us through your word, that you have revealed us all that we need for life and godliness. God, we praise you and thank you for the love that you have shown us through Christ that we sang about even this morning. God, we pray that you would create in our hearts a burden for hospitality, that is grounded in the love that you have shown us. Help me to communicate clearly today and use your word to shape us into the image of your beloved son. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I believe we each need to feel a godly conviction and a burden for sacrificial hospitality. My goal is for each of us to be convinced that we are called by God to show sacrificial hospitality to others out of a love for him and a gratitude for what he has done. So even as we start, I want to be clear and to define, what is hospitality? And just a few thoughts on this. Hospitality is love for others in action. It's a strong affection and love for others demonstrated through words and deed. It's love for others in action. It can be something as simple as pouring a glass of water for someone sitting down and asking how they're doing that day. Or it could be welcoming someone into your home, into your life, to live with your family for several months. Hospitality isn't limited just formally welcoming someone into your home to sit down for a three-course meal. But hospitality is any action that welcomes someone in, that reflects the hospitable heart of God towards us. And the starting point for radical, sacrificial hospitality towards others is recognizing the ultimate example of love that has been shown to us by God. We who are enemies of God, sinners by nature and rebellious since birth. This is all of us, each of us coming into the world under the curse of sin. We lived our lives rejecting the truth and the rule of God. 
And God knew this. He understands and knows our nature better than we do. He knew all of the evil and the wickedness that would come from sinners like us, knew that by our actions we would reject him as creator, that we would reject him as our king, that we would seek to live our lives for our own glory. But despite all of this, he loved us. We can't understand it. His love defies logic and understanding. There's no good reason why he should have loved us like this. But he did. And he sent his precious son, his only son, to earth on a rescue mission to save and to ransom rebellious sinners like you and like me. We see this simply in Romans 5-8 through where it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to earth. He humbled himself, came from the right hand of God the Father in heaven to a dark and dirty stable to be born as a helpless baby. He walked this earth, enduring suffering and pain and temptation and betrayal. He experienced the life of a sojourner, of a refugee, one without a home in a way that many of us will. Jesus himself said in Luke 9:58, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And his love for us didn't end with his life, but it continued in his death. He died the death that we deserved. He took the weight of all of our sin, defeated sin, He defeated Satan and defeated the grave. And he did all of that for us, his enemies, sinners, those who had rejected him. And here's where we see the ultimate example of hospitality. God didn't just remove the punishment that we deserve for our sin and leave us to fend for ourselves. He didn't just wipe away the consequences of our sin, but he chose to adopt us as his sons and his daughters. He welcomed us into his family And it gave us all the rights of a child of the king of the universe. And Jesus, after his resurrection, went to heaven to be with God the Father to prepare a place for us, to prepare a home for us. And it's because of our hope in Christ, because of the truths of the gospel, that we are not at home in this world. We aren't refugees or sojourners here on earth because we're strange or just because we don't fit in, but because we are sons and daughters of the king. We are no longer living for ourselves, but we should live each day out of gratitude for what he's done and because we now have a new hope and a new identity. We have been adopted and cared for and loved by the God of the universe. So you'll remember, over the last three weeks, we've been considering as a church, what are we aiming for this year? What is our goal this year as a church family here at Living Hope so that we can grow in our relationship with God and with others in 2022? And if that's our target, to grow in our relationship with God and our walk with the Lord, we first need to make God's word the center of our lives. Second, we need to pray God's word. And today, we're going to consider how we should seek to be hospitable, to sacrificially and intentionally serve others through hospitality. So as a beginning, two weeks ago, Pastor Andre helped us to understand that at the absolute center of all that we do as a church family, our aim for this year should be to make God's word the center of our lives. God has spoken to us and revealed himself to us through his word. The sovereign ruler of creation has revealed himself to mankind through scripture. And these aren't just dry academic facts that he's given us about himself, but the living and active word of God. This word of God is life transforming, it's soul filling, and it's faith growing. It is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and for training in righteousness. The Word of God is something that we need to prioritize in our lives. Each and every week, 
we need to feed ourselves from the Word of God. And then last Sunday, we looked at our prayer lives. And Pastor Andre gave us a beautiful exhortation to commit ourselves to humble, God-glorifying prayer. And what better way to pray prayers that bring honor to God than to pray His words back to Him? We should never tire of coming to our Father in prayer. We should never feel stuck praying repetitive prayers to Him day by day when we can look to God's Word for examples of praise and requests, of pleas for help, and choruses of worship. And now today we're going to consider our third aim for the year as a church family, and that is to grow in hospitality, to sacrificially serve others in this way. And for us, all of us, to consider as a church family at Living Hope, how can we create a culture of hospitality that is a witness to the world around us? It's not an overly complicated topic. I don't want it to be a complicated sermon. One that I pray will affect your heart as it has mine as I've studied this. You'll see the importance of hospitality. Be encouraged in areas where you have been faithful, where the Lord has granted fruit, and convicted of areas where you can grow. So first, we've been talking, and we're going to continue to talk a little bit about our motivation. The reason we as Christians should be the most hospitable people in the whole world is because of the incredible, overwhelming love that we have been shown. That while we are enemies of God, haters of what is good, that he sent his only son to die on our behalf. And then next, we're going to consider our example. Might not be the first person you think of, but we'll look at what I would say is the ultimate example, the most hospitable person in the Bible. And then third, we're going to consider our audience. Who is it that we should be hospitable towards? And then finally, we'll discuss just practical application. What should our hospitality look like? So the motivation for our hospitality is the love of Christ that we have been shown. We love because he first loved us. Paul, writing to the church of Ephesus, described it this way. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. He says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We who have been shown this type of incredible, extravagant love, we who were alienated from God because of our sin, there was a separation between us because of our disobedience. But now we have been brought near, not because of anything that we've done. We're still in rebellion and sin, but we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And isn't that a picture of hospitality, that we've been brought near by the blood of Christ, brought close to God, welcomed into his family? And that's what we're reflecting to the world. That's what we show to others when we offer hospitality towards them. When we bring them near, we welcome them into our homes, into our families, into our lives, into our routines. As those who have been ransomed by Christ and brought near, we have an opportunity to display the same kind of love to others. Speaking about hospitality, one author said this, Hospitality is a concrete expression of Christian love and family life. It is an important biblical virtue. Giving oneself to the care of God's people means sharing one's life and home with others. An open home is a sign of an open heart and a loving, sacrificial, serving spirit. A lack of hospitality is a sure sign of selfish, lifeless, loveless Christianity. Hospitality is a tangible outward display of godly character. So he's arguing here that hospitality is not optional for the believer. It should be characteristic of all of us as believers. 
It's a display of godly character because of the love that has been shown to us. He continues and says, Hardly anything is more characteristic of Christian love than hospitality. Through the ministry of hospitality, we share the things that we value most. Family, our home, financial resources, food, privacy, and time. In other words, we share our life. So Strzok is saying that hospitality is one of the most clear evidences of a heart that has been transformed by Christ. A willingness to sacrificially open your home, to serve and care for others in this way, is evidence of God's work in your heart. And we should consider this, each one of us, consider this seriously. Does the way that I serve others in hospitality, does it reflect the heart of Christ, or does it reflect a heart of selfishness? It's a helpful way for us to evaluate our own lives and our own hearts. It's an opportunity for us to grow. Our motivation to show hospitality towards others is a love that we have been shown by God through Christ. Another motivation for sacrificial hospitality is obedience to God's commands. So you all may know, we've mentioned it before as we've welcomed in new elders, that hospitality is listed as one of the requirements for pastors, one of the key identifiers. In both 1 Timothy and Titus, it says that elders must be hospitable. And why do you think that is? Do you think it's because the early church met in homes and so they needed space for their services? No. It's because as leaders, as shepherds, these men have to reflect the heart of Christ and their love for others. And one key way that we see this displayed is through hospitality. Their godly character should be evident through the way that they open their homes and show hospitality towards others. And I hope this is something that you've seen as true of your pastors. I'm confident that each of the men that I serve with are brothers who are gifted in hospitality and love to sacrificially serve the body in this way. There's so much ministry that happens in our church. It is such a blessing. So much ministry in our church that happens in the homes of our pastors, around a meal or a cup of coffee. Shepherding in our church shouldn't just happen when you sit under the preaching of God's word on Sunday, but through a heart of hospitality shown by the leaders in our church. And this command isn't just true for pastors. All believers are called to obedience to God through practicing hospitality. This has always been true for the people of God. This was true for the nation of Israel, and it continues in the New Testament. In Leviticus 19, 33 and 34, the nation of Israel was commanded by God, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. For Israel, the basis of their love for others, the basis of their hospitality towards the stranger, was the love that they had been shown by Christ, the protection that the Lord had provided for them in the land of Egypt. Israel is called to respond by treating even the stranger as a brother. In that same chapter in Leviticus 19, it's commanded in verse 18, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So they're called to treat a stranger like a neighbor, and they should treat a neighbor like themselves, love the neighbor like they love themselves. And this same sacrificial hospitality is commanded of all of us in the New Testament. So if you're still in 1 Peter, uh, flip over to chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 8 through 10.
starting in verse 8, it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So in the book of 1 Peter, remember, Peter is writing to this diverse group of believers who are facing trials and hostility and persecution from the world. These elect exiles who have been scattered. And he's exhorting them to something really radical, something really extreme, something really countercultural. To love one another earnestly. Keep loving one another earnestly, with intention and with purpose. And this is something that's true about hospitality. Hospitality is not something that happens accidentally. It takes effort to invite a stranger into your home, to invite a friend to sleep over for a week, to prepare a meal for your unbelieving coworkers. This takes effort, this takes intentionality, this takes earnestness. And why should they love one another earnestly? Because love covers a multitude of sins. One example we see this in Romans 12, verse 20. The Apostle Paul writes and says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. The goal is not to guilt trip or to shame your enemy into feeling horrible about themselves, but to overwhelm them with sacrificial love and hospitality. Love that can only come from a heart that's been transformed by Christ. One great way that you can show this type of love, even to your enemies, is through hospitality. Think of the testimony that would be if instead of ignoring or cursing at your unbelieving neighbor who was unkind to you, you instead invited him into your home for a meal, welcomed him in. Or if you have conflict at work with a coworker who you can't get along with, what if you took the initiative to buy them lunch and to sit down and talk to them face to face to apologize and to get to know them better? What a testimony that would be of the love of Christ that has transformed your heart. And then next we see the command to hospitality there in 1 Peter 4. It says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So hospitality that's based in the love that we have been shown by Christ should be genuine. Not with a grumbling spirit, a complaining heart, but with joy. We should be eager to love as we ourselves have been loved. So that's our motivation. Because of the love of Christ that we've been shown, being ransomed from the futile way of life that we had before, we should overflow in sacrificial hospitality towards others, out of love for God and obedience to his word. So next I want us to briefly consider who is our example in hospitality. I told you it might be a little bit surprising. Some of you might have guessed. But I would argue that the best example, the most hospitable person in the Bible, it wasn't King Solomon with all of his palaces and wealth. It wasn't Mary and Martha who prepared food for Jesus and sat at his feet, but Jesus himself. And here's why it's surprising. Even though Jesus had no home to welcome people into, he had no kitchen to prepare meals for others for, even though he was an unmarried man, Jesus was the most hospitable person to walk the face of this earth. From his very first miracle recorded in the Bible, turning water into wine at a wedding, he sacrificially was creating an environment of hospitality. 
He fed the 5,000 as they sat and listened to his teaching. He welcomed in those whose society had rejected. He welcomed the tax collectors and sinners to eat with him. He loved the lame and the lepers who were outcasts from the rest of society. He cared for women and children in a culture and in a day that dismissed them and counted them as not as important. Even as we celebrated communion last week, I was reminded of Christ's example of hospitality in serving the Passover meal. He prepared a place for he and his disciples to gather. He washed their feet and he provided the bread and wine that symbolized his ultimate sacrifice. And that is where we see the ultimate example of Christ's hospitality. He welcomed in those who were his enemies. He died for those who had rejected him. He took the punishment that our sins deserved so that we could be adopted as sons and daughters of God. If you're still in 1 Peter, let's flip back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verses 10 through 12. This is one of the most shocking contrasts in the Bible. This is what Christ sacrificed for us did. 1 Peter 2, verses 10 through 12. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then he continues on and he exhorts them, recognizing that they're God, because they're God's people, this world is not their home. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Through Christ's work on the cross, we became God's people. We received mercy. What an example, what humility, what grace, and what love we see in Christ. And what a perfect example to look to as we seek to reflect his love towards others through hospitality. We don't want to serve others through hospitality by depending on our own strength, but look to Christ as our example. Even for us as a church, this needs to be at the center of what we do. We want to be a Christ-centered church, not a church-centered church. The motivation for our hospitality needs to be the love of Christ. And not only is Jesus our example, but when we show hospitality to others, we are serving him. Jesus taught us that we'll be judged on the basis of our hospitality because when we love and welcome others, we in fact love and welcome him. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What a privilege it is to serve others in this way. What an amazing truth this is, that we not only serve our brothers and sisters in Christ when we show hospitality to others, but we serve Christ, our King. What a blessing to be able to use our gifts to show hospitality and not only reflect the love of Christ, but to serve Christ himself by serving others. So we should pray that God will produce in us a genuine joy in love and service for others in this way. 
So first we talked about our motivation. Next we considered Christ as our example. And now I want us to think about our audience. Who should we show hospitality towards? So hopefully if you've been following along with me so far and you say, okay, I'm convinced. I know the love of Christ that's been shown to me. I know that I used to be an enemy of God, and now I'm his child. I can see the example of Christ's hospitality, and I'm excited about this. Now what? Who should we show hospitality towards? And I think hospitality it should be shown to, to other believers, to unbelievers, and even strangers. And the church itself should work to create a hospitable environment. We, as the body of Christ at Living Hope, should work hard to create a welcoming environment each and every Sunday. So first, we should show hospitality towards other believers. The first and maybe the most obvious category for hospitality is hospitality towards other believers. In John 13, 34, we read the words of Jesus where we're commanded to love one another. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the radical, sacrificial love that we are called to show to one another as believers in Christ, it's a testimony to a world that is watching of the love of Christ that we've been shown. Likewise, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes and says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So he's recognizing, the Apostle Paul is recognizing, we all have limitations. We are to do good as we have opportunity, but we should see it as a joy. When we show hospitality towards one another, our goal should be to serve and to do good to others. And with that in mind, one important thing to consider is our own heart and our own motives. Even within the church, when we're showing hospitality to brothers and sisters in Christ, do we always invite the same people over, our closest friends or the people who are most like us? Or do we t- intentionally consider who we can serve or love by inviting them over for a meal or serving in other ways? As Jesus loved others sacrificially, he loved his enemies, his sinners, he welcomed the crowds. We should fight against selfishness even in our hospitality in the church. And this is a reality for us as a church family. If we're going to grow as a church family, a growing family from all cultures where Christ is king, if we're going to develop real and deep relationships with one another, it will require effort and intentionality. There are real differences between each of us with different backgrounds, different cultures, different traditions, different languages, even as brothers and sisters in Christ. So one brother in the church might have never gone a meal in his life without eating pop. You might invite him over with a genuine desire to serve him, and you make this delicious pasta, your amazing pasta dish. But if we build a culture of hospitality in our church, we'll try to serve others by recognizing what makes them feel welcome. Maybe you, you didn't know that, but the brother recognizes the love of God that's being shown to him, and he's appreciative. It's a real opportunity for us to evaluate our own hearts in hospitality We don't want to just appease our own consciences by thinking that we're hospitable just because we regularly have people over if our motives are wrong. Our love isn't demonstrated by considering who we most want to spend time with, but by sacrificially considering the needs of others. We shouldn't just invite others over if it's easy or convenient, but seek to build relationships with others who are different than us for the glory of God and to build up the church. 
Another practical thing I want us to consider is, have you ever thought about that what you might think of as hospitality could actually be better described as entertaining? So in entertaining, our goal is to amaze our guests with the delicious food that we can make, to have everything perfectly arranged in our home so that they're dazzled by the environment. We want people to leave talking about how amazing of hosts we were. But with hospitality, our goal isn't for our guests to be impressed with us, but encouraged and welcomed by the love of Christ. Hospitality might mean intentionally asking questions about the other person instead of trying to entertain them with the best stories about your own life. Hospitality might mean preparing something simple in order to spend time with your guest instead of spending the whole time running around trying to prepare all the different dishes that you're going to serve them. Entertaining seeks to impress your guests. Hospitality is trying to bless them. Hospitality is how we imitate the sacrificial love that God has shown us. And what an opportunity we have. Here at Living Hope Church, we have opportunities each week to serve one another as brothers and sisters in Christ through hospitality. One final thing that I'll mention about hospitality towards other believers is the Bible specifically mentions hospitality towards those who have gone out as ministers of the gospel. In 3 John, verses 5-8, through 8, it says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So I just thought this was an interesting passage, an exciting thing to consider. There at the end, you can see, we have a unique opportunity when we serve them through hospitality because we become an active part of their ministry, fellow workers for the truth. So you can think about opportunities that we have as a church, like when Newton and Vanessa come back to visit churches here in South Africa by showing hospitality to Akani and Lorato as they prepare to go into church plant in Limpopo, by serving them through having them over for a meal or letting them stay in your, your home. You are serving as a fellow worker for the truth. It's a unique and special opportunity. The next category of hospitality that I want us to consider is hospitality towards strangers, towards unbelievers. And actually, the word that's most commonly used for hospitality in the New New Testament, it literally means love of strangers. Serving those who are strangers to us, unbelievers and outsiders, is at the heart of the gospel, and it should be at the center of our hospitality. And honestly speaking, it can be easy for us to get in the habit of only practicing hospitality that is comfortable. For many of us, this might be true, that even though we often invite others in, we rarely invite a stranger. But I truly believe hospitality towards strangers is both an expectation of us as believers and a unique opportunity. So there can be this false idea in our mind. We can convince ourselves that we should just share the gospel with strangers, talk to them when we're at work or on the street or in the shop, have godly conversations with them outside of our home, but we wouldn't invite them in to sit down for a meal as unbelievers. And while it's true that we're to teach others what the Bible says, we also have a unique opportunity to demonstrate what we believe by our actions. And one way we can do that is by inviting people into our homes and into our lives. What an opportunity it is for people to sit down for a meal and share life together. There are some conversations, some opportunities that you'll never have 
if you don't practice hospitality like this. One example of this I can think of is we had a young guy that lived with us for a time. We met him when he visited our church. He had just been released from prison. Um, he was a recent convert, a baby, a new believer, and he had grown up in a rough home situation. And one night we were leaving with him to go to GC, and Claire apologized to me for making us late because she was making a cake. It was just a simple comment, a simple conversation where she asked me for forgiveness, but he was completely shocked to this guy. So he had grown up in environments with mostly single-parent households. Only his mom and his grandmother had been at home. And he had grown up in homes where the women ran the home. And to see Claire's humility and example as a godly wife, her apology was a complete shock to him. And it was a beautiful example of the difference that a Christian marriage can make. And these type of conversations could never happen if we don't take the initiative to serve others, unbelievers, strangers, through hospitality. Another great opportunity we have as the church is the opportunity to have both believers and unbelievers in your home. So by doing this, you as a host, or you as the hospitable person, can create an environment for gospel conversations. Maybe you're the one who prepares a meal. You invite your neighbors or your co-workers over, but you also invite a few people over from church. You might not even be the one who gets to talk to these unbelievers, but you create opportunities for your brother and sister in Christ to connect and to share the gospel with your unbelieving neighbor or coworker. And that's the goal of hospitality towards unbelievers. The aim of our hospitality, especially towards strangers and unbelievers, is that they would know Christ. We love because he first loved us. It would be unwise and unloving for us to open our homes, provide meals for others, welcome them with lavish hospitality without ever sharing the most precious truth that we have, without sharing Christ who is at the center of our love for others. Okay, and then finally, so first we talked about hospitality towards other believers. As children of God, we should intentionally show hospitality towards others, sacrificially serve, care for, open our homes, and love one another in this way out of a love for God's people and obedience to the word. We should also show hospitality towards unbelievers and strangers, even though it might not seem natural or easy. Showing hospitality toward unbelievers is a unique opportunity to reflect the love of Christ. When we consider the price that he paid to redeem us when we were his enemies, we can see it's a small price to pay for momentary discomfort or awkwardness to show this type of sacrificial love to others. Then the final area of hospitality that I want us to discuss this morning is hospitality as a church. How should we as a church show hospitality? How can we create a welcoming environment each Sunday? When we gather together, when we come on Sunday mornings, are we inwardly focused or are we eagerly welcoming those who are apart from Christ or seeking truth? The church should be the most welcoming of places. But sadly, we can often be so distracted by our our own business on Sunday mornings that we forget to stop and to recognize the visitor sitting alone in the back of the hall. That's one thing as a church we should constantly consider. How can we create a more hospitable environment towards outsiders? How can we welcome the stranger and show the love of Christ to them, even in the way we organize or arrange our services, even by coming early on a Sunday morning so we have time to connect with others before the service starts? And we need your help. This is part of how we want to make the most of Sundays. So as you prepare to come to church each Sunday, you take time to read the passage that will be preached on, you're prepared to be shaped by the Word of God, you spend time in prayer, 
you can also prepare your heart to show hospitality. You could spend time praying for those who will worship with us, visitors from other churches, unbelievers, guests who might be coming with a friend, or someone passing by on the street who walks in and sits in our service. Ask that the Lord would give you an intentional love for the stranger so that you'll be the one to reach out and to welcome them. Don't expect that someone else is the one that's going to do it. When you come to church, be intentional to look for the visitor, the person who's isolated or lonely, or someone who isn't as connected. Don't just rush to your closest friends or family after the service, but intentionally consider who you can welcome. And it's something we can consider for our gospel community groups as well. Is your GC an environment where you can invite your unbelieving coworker to come and they'll feel welcomed and at home? And for you, at your GC, are you looking to connect with the new visitor or guest that's coming to your GC? Or are you always just looking to catch up with your friends, ask them how their week's going? Do you leave it up to the person that invited them or the host? Or are you going out of your way to make visitors feel welcome? All of us as believers, we should intentionally work towards creating a hospitable environment at Living Hope Church. This brings glory to God. It puts the gospel on display and shows the love of Christ to a world that is watching. Okay, and then finally, I want us to consider our actions. What should our hospitality look like? So we mentioned earlier the difference between hospitality and entertainment. I think this is really important, to evaluate our heart and our motives behind our hospitality. And I really want to emphasize that, the heart of hospitality, reflecting God's love for us in Christ is the way that we need to serve and to love others. I don't want to give you a specific formula for hospitality because it's going to look different for each of us. It'll look different for families. It'll look different for single people. It'll look different for people with kids and for students. But no matter what our situation in life is, the Lord has given us opportunities to serve and blessings that we can share with others. We can each prayerfully consider what the Lord has provided for us. We can pray that the Lord would use us as instruments of hospitality to build up the church, to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ, and build relationships with unbelievers with the purpose of sharing the gospel of Christ with them. Hospitality could mean inviting someone over to your home for a meal after the service, or bringing food to someone who's sick or struggling. Especially when Claire and I were younger, when we were first married, Oftentimes it was easier for us to just bring food to someone else's house because we had a smaller place, especially if they had a lot of kids or they were struggling with sickness. Hospitality could mean offering your couch for someone to sleep on for a night. Or it could mean welcoming someone to live with you for a few months who's going through a significant trial. Hospitality could be a glass of water on your porch or it could be inviting someone in for a delicious Christmas feast. Hospitality could mean connecting with a visitor after church, inviting them out for coffee to get to know them. Or it could mean catching up with an old friend, intentionally encouraging them in their walk with the Lord. So how about you? Would others say that you're hospitable? Is that something that you aspire towards? I want us to evaluate our own hearts, and for us to spend time, even this week, considering our own desire to serve through hospitality. Do others come to you when they need help? Or do you give the impression that you don't want to be bothered? Is your family intentional about welcoming others into your home, even if they're different than you, or if they make you feel awkward or uncomfortable? Do you have space in your schedule to regularly serve others through hospitality, or do you keep such a busy schedule during the week with work and family and school that there's little or no opportunity to serve others in this way? 
What worries and fears do you have that keep you from welcoming others into your life and your home? What promises has God given you that you can cling to for hope and peace and assurance? So just a few ideas, even to take action on this week. So we need to start by praying. We need to pray that, the, that God, who has shown us so much hospitality through his love for us in Christ, that he would give us joy in demonstrating his heart of hospitality towards others. And we can start simply, spontaneously inviting someone over for a meal after church or grabbing a cup of coffee with someone after the service is a great way to start. You can make a list of people that would be encouraged by your offer of hospitality. You can start brainstorming. Think of creative ways that you can show hospitality towards others. Your circumstances shouldn't exempt you from serving through hospitality. If we wait for the perfect situation, then it reveals our heart. One example, probably the most hospitable person I knew was a brother in Christ at the church we were at in the States. He lived with us for a few months. He was a young, single guy. He was a student when we first met him. But even as a student, in his res, he would invite people over. He would offer to babysit for different families in our church. Even when, we, when people had a new baby or were stuck at home and they were sick and we had a meal sign up, this single brother would be the first one to sign up almost every time to bring a meal. There were so many different creative ways. There was a, a single lady in his GC who had a son that was about 10 years old, and he wanted to be an encouragement to that lady and a, a male figure in that boy's life. So this guy learned how to knit blankets so that he could sit with this lady and encourage her and to build a relationship with her son. This same guy now, uh, he's, working, he's been working as an engineer for a few years, and he made sacrifices with his time and with his money to save up to buy a house that was bigger than he needs. He's still a single man, but he has extra bedrooms, so he often hosts people all the time when I talk to him. He has different families staying with him, people from out of town. He's made sacrifices to show hospitality and to show the love of Christ to others. This same guy also would try to memorize the names and faces of every single person in the church. And we were in a church with about 600 members. So that was his goal. I think that could be a great idea for all of us. Do we know every member of our church so that we can show hospitality and welcome towards them? So it might take some creative thinking if you're a single guy. Maybe you could talk to a friend about serving someone else in this way. Maybe you could join with a family in your GC, helping them to host someone for a meal. Or you could be intentional to invite a new visitor out for coffee after church on a Sunday. We should each intentionally seek to grow a heart for biblical hospitality. It's a God-honoring characteristic, and I pray our church will grow and excel in it this year. And hospitality benefits not just the person that's being shown hospitality, but the one who is giving it as well. One author said, Hospitality is good for the giver because it puts our lives and our hearts on display. It compels us to confess and to repent to live below our means, and to build in margin time for the unexpected needs of others. So if we aren't regularly practicing hospitality, we are missing out on ways that God can use us in the life of the church and in the world. And we're missing out on opportunities for our own sanctification. It can be a painful reality, but there might be ways that the Lord needs to sanctify us through showing hospitality towards others. Ways that we need to grow that we'll never be aware of if we're not hospitable. Areas of sin that are hidden because of our lack of practical love for others. If we're going to show hospitality towards others, we're going to have to make sacrifices. Sacrifices with our time, with our resources. And if we're convinced that this is a priority for us as believers, which I hope you all are, then we need to ensure that we plan. That we need to plan time in our weeks 
to have space to serve others in this way. Plan space in our budget to serve others. So as we look to 2022, it's my hope and prayer that we as a church will abound more and more in love for one another and love for the world that we would demonstrate through hospitality. Hospitality puts the love of God on display. Hospitality builds the church up. Hospitality creates opportunities for the gospel. And the heart of hospitality reflects the heart of God. What a blessing it is, what a privilege we have, and what a joy to serve in this way. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for this characteristic of hospitality. And pray for each one of us as we consider it. God, that we would be overwhelmed by the love that you have shown us through Christ. God, through your sacrificial love for us when we were your enemies, God, that we would see this example and be overwhelmed and overflowing in gratitude and love for others. God, I pray that we as a church would grow in hospitality, not out of selfishness or out of a desire to impress others, to impress our neighbor, to impress our coworker or our brother and sister in Christ, but out of a genuine desire to serve and to love, to care for others when they're in tri- going through trials or they have specific needs, to care for the unbeliever, to provide space and create opportunities to share the gospel and to share the love of Christ with others. God, we pray that you would grow in us a heart of hospitality that reflects your heart for others. God, we also want to pray for those in our church who are refugees and sojourners. We pray for them and the unique trials and challenges that they face. We pray that we would be aware of that as a church, that we would care for them, that we would see practical ways that we can serve them, even as they're going through this trial, recognizing the challenges that they face. God, pray for each of us that we would grow in our love for one another. Pray even for our gospel community groups this week, that they would create welcoming and hospitable environments as visitors or guests come to our gospel community groups. I I pray that they would feel included and welcomed in. And I pray even as we have practical discussions this week, that you would use those discussions to shape us more and more into the image of Christ. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.